The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. The pastors here at King's, my privilege to uh, be preaching this morning. Um, If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to... um, Mark chapter 16, that's where we're going to be. But if you haven't got your Bibles, don't worry. Um, uh, The words will come up on the screen um, behind me. Happy Easter. It's so good to be together. It's so good to set aside time to worship and glorify Jesus, our resurrected, conquering um, King. There there isn't anywhere else I'd uh, I'd rather be, as it were, than than having that opportunity to um, glorify him. This morning I'm finishing the last in our preach series on the book of Mark. Mark is a, an account of who Jesus is and what he did. And I'm going to be looking at the last, the last in the preach series. I'm going to be looking at Jesus is um, the risen one. And uh, we're going to look at the whole resurrection account. We're going to look at the resurrection story. And we're going to see how that applies um, to us today. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And that is the foundation on which our Christian hope is found. So let's pick it up in verse 1 of of Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, Just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone that was very large had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will find him. Just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. It is an amazing account. Actually, Mark's account, out of all four in the Gospels, is the shortest. Um, He is, in many ways, the bluntest uh, when it comes to describing what was happening. And it's interesting, I don't know if you noticed that at the end of that, it says about verses 19 to 20. You'll notice that after these verses, the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 to 20. The very earliest manuscripts were copied. So, so someone would get it and they would write down by hand um, and copy what had been written. They didn't have printing presses or things like that. And so sometimes slight differences would come up in the writings, but really different, really slight ones. But most of the variations that you find, and there were a number of them, were only only tiny. But in two places, this is one of them, it's a longer passage. So in this one, it's verses 9 to 20. They weren't there in the original manuscripts. And there's another place in John 8, verse 1 to 12. And these verses don't change the nature of what is written, 
But, but the Bible wants to be clear. The writers of the Bible want to be clear that actually these weren't there in the original. And the reason I just wanted to highlight that to you is because if you're wondering if the Bible is true, how do we know that it's accurate from nearly 2,000 years ago? How do we know it's the case? Well, actually, the Bible critiques itself. It tells you if there's any doubt about what is written there. And like I say, there's only these two places where it's a bigger chunk. And even then, what is said doesn't affect the overall nature of what is said. And so I just wanted to start by that, particularly if you're exploring Christianity and you're thinking, well, is the Bi- can the Bible be trusted? Absolutely it can. It even critiques itself. It even tells, tells us if there's any doubt in what is written. And like I say, the fundamental truths of the gospel of the Christian faith are not in doubt in anything that's written in Scripture. So let me briefly recap what we find here in these verses. The Sabbath would have finished at 6 o'clock on Saturday night, and these three women, amazing women, they go to buy spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus. They'd followed Jesus in Galilee. They'd witnessed the crucifixion. They'd seen him die, and they'd watched where Jesus' body was buried. And they got up really early on the first day of the week to anoint Jesus' body with spices. They get to the tomb, and they're wondering, how are they going to roll this big stone away? Even three of them, they thought they wouldn't be able to move this stone in front of the middle of the tomb. But when they arrive, it's already been moved. So they go in, and they go in expecting to find the dead body of Jesus. But it's not there. All that's there is an angel. We know it's an angel because of how it's described. He says, don't be alarmed. I'd be alarmed. I don't know about you. See an angel, dead body, when you're expecting, not there? The crucified Jesus of Nazareth is not here because he has risen. They were expecting a dead body. They've bought spices. They were not expecting to find Jesus raised from the dead. The resurrection took them by surprise. Even though Jesus had told them it was going to happen, they were still surprised. And it says they went out. They fled from the tomb, trembling, um, full of astonishment. They were afraid. I I get all of that. I would have been exactly the same. I just want to make four brief comments based on what we've read in this account. The first thing, this account prevents us getting rid of the supernatural from the Christian faith. You cannot read this account and not realize that the supernatural and Christianity go hand in hand, hand in a glove. There are those, even good-meaning Christians, who have tried to take out of the gospel anything that's hard to explain. But Christianity is supernatural um, at the core of what it is. As long as the Bible is taken seriously, it is quite impossible to get rid of the supernatural. Jesus was raised from the dead and angels announced it. That's what the Bible says. The Bible clearly presents it in that way. And because the supernatural happens... We can expect God to intervene even today in supernatural and unexpected ways. As we gather here today, I've I've loved worshipping Jesus, but I've not just come 
to sing my songs of worship to Jesus. I've come to meet with him because he is risen. We expect the supernatural, the things that we cannot necessarily fully explain. And one of the ways that God may want to move among us today is in healing people who are sick. God works in supernatural ways. And so I'm going to spend just a few moments right now, and I'm going to ask Jesus to come and heal anyone who's here that isn't feeling very well. It, it, might, be, it might be a cold, or it might be something long-term and more serious. But if you're up for that, is it all right if I pray for you? Yeah? So, if, if you're struggling in some way and it's appropriate, put your sort of hand somewhere near your ailment or where you're struggling. Or if you don't feel that that's the right thing to do, you could just raise your hand and it's a sort of way of saying, look, my hands are empty. Lord God, I'm, I'm looking for something from you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are risen from the dead. I thank you you are alive and you are active this morning. I want to pray right now for your supernatural intervention in lives. I don't know all the sicknesses, I don't know all the ailments, but I pray for your healing power to be released in Jesus' name. Whether it's a common cold, or whether it's something much more serious, life-threatening, we ask in Jesus' name, we say, sickness, go. Sickness, Go and healing come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm expectant that some of you will have sensed God working in you right now. And even as I'm speaking, I believe God will continue to work in your lives. So just be open. You may even want to say under your breath, God, please continue to work. I believe in you. I trust in you. So firstly, the supernatural happens. It's part of Christianity. Secondly, Mark really wants us to know that Jesus was raised from the dead. There's absolutely no doubt about us. He wants to confront us with this truth. Mark is writing this, correct, this account. He's surrounded by people who witness these events and he wants to state the facts. He wants the readers to understand. He wants us to understand that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, of all the things that are difficult to believe, someone being raised from the dead is probably right up there, isn't it? It's one of the hardest things to get your head around. It, it, it challenges our view of reality, ideas about life, what can and cannot happen. Dead people don't come alive again. Well... In, in, in nearly every case, that is it. I've, I've been in different situations where, you know, oh God, please intervene and bring life. And he, ha he hasn't in those situations. But the Bible says, the Bible says, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. What if your perspective is wrong? What if, what if actually 
God does have the power to raise the dead. What if the resurrection, as described in this Bible account, is true? If that is the case, then God is real. The spiritual world is real. The miraculous is possible. Even sin, as described in this book, therefore is a real problem that that needs to be sorted out. And many secular ideas and perspectives are therefore wrong. It turns everything upside down. And maybe we don't know quite as much about life as we thought we did. And what's being spoken about here is not some vague thought, some happy thought that, well, Jesus continues to live in their minds. No, no. Jesus was physically resurrected. He had a resurrected body, something solid, something physical. He could eat, he could be touched, he was physically present, he was physically alive. This is what the Bible teaches. Thirdly, we find from this account, there is an offer of forgiveness. There is an offer of forgiveness. The resurrection story comes with that. These three women had walked the whole journey. They'd been much more courageous than their male counterparts. The disciples had all let Jesus down. They'd all been warned that a time of challenge and and trouble was coming. They were told even to pray that they would not fall. But but the 12 disciples, they, they let him down. But forgiveness is available. And we find in this account that the angel says to these three women, go tell the disciples that they're going to meet me in Galilee. The angel even mentions Peter by name, who, 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 who messed it up bigger than the others. He, he denied Jesus three times when questioned by a servant girl. He absolutely shriveled up rather than being bold. He let Jesus down. Jesus knew it. But the angel mentions Peter by name. Tell Peter. You, he may have let me down three times, but there is forgiveness. Do you know, every single one of you, your name is known in heaven. The angel knew who Peter was. Forgiveness is available. Even if you struggle to forgive yourself, forgiveness is available. God's peace flooding your soul. You may think you can't be a Christian because you've made too many mistakes. You are perfectly qualified to be a Christian because it's not on the basis of what we do, but it's on the basis of Jesus' saving work on the cross. Forgiveness is at the heart of the Christian message. And then lastly, the resurrection is the foundation of everything. The events described here are the foundation of everything that follows for the Christian faith and the church. It is proof of Jesus' claims. It shows that death is conquered, Satan is defeated, and it gives us a personal, I hope, in a personal future resurrection. We can have that because Jesus has been raised from the dead. It is the foundation for every single Christian 
an anchor in times of trouble. If Christ is not raised, we have no hope. But Jesus is raised from the dead. He is raised from the dead. And we have been joined to the power of Jesus' resurrection. The Christian is raised with Christ. As I've said, Christianity isn't about sorting your life out. It's not about coming. It's about coming to Jesus as you are. I think one of the best ways to understand what it means to be a Christian is to have a look at a prayer that you would pray if you want to give your life to Jesus. So I think that's on one of the slides, if you could pop that up. It might not be. No, it's not there. You're going to have to listen to my beautiful voice instead then. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I acknowledge that I have sinned, that I cannot save myself. I believe that Jesus came to give me life, and by faith I now choose to receive you into my life as Lord and Saviour. May the power of your indwelling presence enable me to be the person you created me to be. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we come to Jesus, if you want to accept him into your life, you come with humility. I cannot do it on my own. I need a saviour. And we come with expectancy, knowing that he is alive and that he works in us. Today is a day where we celebrate what Jesus has done for us. The resurrection is a historical event. It actually happened. The body of Jesus was raised from the dead. An angel appeared and explained what happened. It wasn't a hallucination. These three women saw it. They witnessed it. You cannot get rid of the supernatural from Christianity. The Holy Spirit is present right here now, and I believe he's healing some of you. Right now, you're experiencing his grace at work in your life. Jesus really was raised from the dead, and that means the Bible is true and God is real. There is an offer of forgiveness for you today. You can come as you are, not because you've got it sorted, but because you haven't. And you know you need Jesus to help you. And the resurrection is the foundation of everything. It makes a way so that we, I, you, can personally have a whole right relationship with God. Can I ask you to stand, please? Um, Can I invite the band back up? That would be great. Just want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are present here right now. I ask you, Lord Jesus, by your spirit, will you continue to work in healing in, in lives right now across this auditorium? We look to you for that. Sickness, go in Jesus' name. And I pray for those right now that are just wondering about you. They're they're seeking after you. I ask you, I ask you, even as we sing some more songs, would you reveal yourself 
to them, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. When the meeting closes, there's a, there's a banner over in the corner there. It's got, it says prayer. If you would like further prayer for healing, or you'd like to find out more about what it means to follow Jesus, why don't you head over there? And there'll be some people who'd be happy to spend a bit of time explaining uh, Christianity to you or praying for you if you're sick.